There is only one thing on this earth more powerful than evil, and that's us. Hi, I'm Nicholas Brendan, and you're listening to the Buffy Back Issue Ben. Welcome to the Buffy Back Issue Ben, the show where we go through all the Buffy and Angel comics that are canon chronologically. I'm Zach. And I'm Emily. And this week we are back to Angel in Season 9, the Arc Daddy Issues. An arc near and dear to my heart. Why? My own daddy issues. Oh my gosh. You Father. Have daddy issues. Why won't you love me? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Just because your dad said it in our shows were a waste of time. <laughs> He's not listening to this. I can say what I want. But your mom is. Emma. What was that? Hey, ma. Like a sheep. Look, we're going to get into some New Englandisms later in this. That's not a New Englandism. It absolutely is. No, it's not. Okay, not. But Ma is not one of them. Ma uh-huh. is your own weird thing. It's definitely not. It's New England. Beg to differ. All right. Hmm. Sorry, I'm tweeting with the writer of this. Christos Gage, art by Rebecca Isaacs. I had some questions about this arc, so he's just answering them as for our prep. In live yeah. form. In real time is totally what I meant to say. In live form? <laughs> In real time. In live time. In real time. I don't know. It's been a long day. I worked all day. So we start this arc off with Angel in Highgate Cemetery, which in his inner monologue, he says, very original. So in the 1970s, there was a media sensation that there was a vampire in Highgate Cemetery, which, you know, not real in reality, but possibly real in this reality. Intriguing. But he mentions that Douglas Adams is buried there. And, fun fact, that The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy was one of the things that kept Angel from killing himself in the early 80s. It was a happy time for him. He was eating rats, had long hair, read a book, I guess. Some of us had long hair. Some of us shaved it all off. I've had both of those things. I know. That's what I was talking about. Uh, Shoulder-length ringlets and literally nothing. I know. Is that picking up on Mike? (laughs) I think so. I hope so. (laughs) You petting me? (laughs) Well, it feels funny. But while Angel is paying his respects, he smells some blood. Does that a lot. So, as Angel does, he runs ahead to the Holly Lodge estate, which is public housing for the elderly in London. And mostly World War II vets. So this is going to take a dark turn real fast. Yep, and he makes friends with the local policeman who is eating sunflower seeds, just randomly. And um, they go in and they find that one of the orderlies has a hacksaw that he's been sawing open the heads of all of these elderly people with. Yeah, it's, it's not great. It's graphic. It's really gross. I guess don't bring a hacksaw to work is the moral of this story. Didn't we already know that? Well, also, hacksaws used for metal. These are scalps. Get something different. What would you recommend that he uses on scalps? Are you actually thinking about that? I was. Like, what would be the most effective? <laughs> I don't know, because... I guess a hacksaw will be fine. Scalps are probably softer than metal. Wow, what an intriguing thought pattern. But as he does, Angel beats up the orderly and the cop thanks me. He's like, oh, was that judo? And Angel's like, yeah, something like that. Or, you know, the natural martial arts that every vampire seems to get for no reason. Well, yeah. And then the policeman kicks out Angel. Even though you would think that Angel would need to be there as a witness. Yeah, he doesn't sign in or anything. No, but the fact no security that, in this place. that the policeman is just like, yeah, you need to leave now. But Angel has not only been a witness to this crime, but he's also participated in the arresting of this guy. So 
Anyway, it doesn't really matter because we have a flashback. To 1972, when there may have been a vampire in Highgate Cemetery. And shockingly, we're also in Highgate Cemetery. We smash cut to a young Giles fighting one of his watcher and training's friends. Named Philip. And I will always give this book credit where credit is due on the reference scale. Mm -hmm. Philip is a good tie-in. When Ethan Rain returns to Sunnydale to try and get the demon Etragon off of his scent... Philip is the first one to arrive in town looking for Rupert Giles, and he dies early in the episode. But it's nice that we get to see Philip again. Yeah. It all just ties back to his old Ripper days. But young Philip attacks Giles, pretending that Giles is a vampire, and Giles just throws him aside easily into a gravestone, saying that Philip can't be joking around at a time like this. Not when they could be losing points for Gryffindor. I don't know. I don't know Harry Potter that well to reference it. Well, you know, close enough. But magical school teenagers. Yeah, but they weren't really at magic school. They were in magic. A little bit. Not like Harry Potter. They don't have wands. They have stakes. So I like the wands better. Okay. There's a whole group of these teenage watchers and they're preparing for their final exam. And all the other watchers are like, look, we've faced vampires before. We're going to be fine. It's fine. We killed a bunch of them. We have nothing to worry about. Our overconfidence won't be our downfall. And baby Giles is like, no, that's all been controlled. We have no idea what the real world is like. It's going to kill us all. Everybody's like, yeah, we're going to be fine. Adulthood, am I right? What part of that is adulthood? Uh, what have you had to deal with demons? Inner demons. Oh my gosh, they're so dramatic. <laughs> but a man in a trench coat and fedora approached them, and it's not a flasher. No, no, and it's also not a vampire, which poor Philip thinks it is. Philip rushes at him and tries to stake him with the heart, only to have his stake break on his sternum. Poor Philip, right before he does this, he yells, It's our final exam! and goes running at it. <laughs> uh, Philip almost dies here, and what terrible last words those would be. But, oh god, let's deal with pronunciation here. A lorophage demon. Could just call it a loro demon. Lorophage. Sticks a tiny spike coming out of his mouth into philip's head so it's kind of like a hummingbird if you can imagine a hummingbird speak oh thank god you described that because i was going to struggle with it so yeah imagine a hummingbird but made out of like gray skin these big bulbous eyes with like really long claws kind of elongated fingers and then let's say like 10 inch claws coming out of each finger yeah there we made it through the demon description are you really stressing about that i kind of was because like you know he's kind of gray got a long beak he's a biggish bird but without the bird qualities but our lorophage demon sticks his hummingbird hummer right into philip's head what we find out is that this lorophage demon feeds on trauma that's its jam it sucks the trauma out of people and then just usually sucks them to death but another watcher runs straight at Philip to save him. The lorophage demon takes his hummer out of Philip and sticks his, like, ten-inch claws right into this girl's brain. So she's dead. Yeah, and then he kind of just starts in on the other ones that he can reach. Yeah, he kills a few of these watchers. It's kind of unclear how many. And Giles tries to run and save everybody that he can, but right as he's about to, the lorophage demon grabs his head and it's about to stick its claws into Giles. But Giles' father and a Tom Selleck-looking watcher tackle the lorophage demon before is, it can suck the trauma from Giles. And this is really important. So we're actually reading out of Giles' journal. I don't know if we really mentioned that. But we find out from Giles' inner monologue slash journaling that um, the lorophage demon brought all of these really traumatic memories to the forefront of his mind, plus seeing all of his friends killed in front of him. 
plus just general life trauma, that Giles was like, I was going to go mad and then die if this demon was not away from me very quickly. But then the adult watchers show up. And the Lorophage demon runs away, being sated by eating the trauma of children. And I like the way Giles describes it. They just talk about all of the death that these young watchers had seen, like staring into hell dimensions and killing demons and just all of these trials they've had to go through. And we also learn that Giles is head boy, just like Wesley. Yeah. Head boy. Continuing reading Giles' diary, we see that he goes to his father and accuses him of being a murderer, saying that they weren't ready for this exam. And that's why they're dying. He's like, you know what? No one's ever ready for this. This is just something you need to deal with. And Giles is like, screw this. I'm out of here. I'm not going to be a watcher any longer. Bet he never turns into a watcher. Bet not. I liked a couple things here. I liked that what his dad said. Dad said, first of all, that they're watchers and that the specter of death is part and parcel of the life they've chosen. And then Giles is like, chosen? I didn't choose this. Blah, blah, blah. And his dad is like, okay, fine. Poor choice of words. The supernatural is our heritage, Rupert. Our destiny. We cannot escape it, so we must prepare to meet it. And I feel like that's very much what all of the Slayers went through. Yeah. I also want to mention the art, which, already this creative team, I like them a lot. But Rebecca Isaacs draws a very convincing young Giles, and she also draws a very convincing father. He looks like Giles, but not quite Giles. Like, I completely buy him as the father. Yeah, it looks like Giles a lot in his silhouette and in his kind of profile, but yeah. It's, well it's done. not quite It's not him. quite Giles. Yeah, it's perfect. It's really good. So jumping back to modern day. We see that Faith and Angel are training together on the only place you can train, a rooftop. It's actually Giles' rooftop. Again, why not? Angel likes a rooftop. Everybody likes a rooftop. And the two of them are going at it, and Faith is saying that earlier she had run into Nadira and some other slayers. While Faith is breaking up yet another fight of Nadira's, she's told about Mother Superior the new it vampire in town who doesn't sire and she doesn't kill. And it's just made Nadir upset. And this is a, an interesting question that I've had before. So I like that one of the other Slayers asked it and they were like, is it even illegal to kill a vampire? I don't know. And Faith was like, it's a gray area. That's so weird to think about. Yeah. Now that vampires are out in the open. Yeah. They're sentient, but you know, they, yeah, it's definitely a different thing. Also, I don't really need to worry about it because it's certainly not going to be a real life law. Yeah. So, Faith tells Angel all about this fight, and at the heart of it was this human that Nadira was about to kill until Faith cooled her off, and we find out that this human had been biting other humans, pretending that he was a vampire, and basically just not Worshipping at the altar of Mother Superior, and Faith is like, this is the third crazy person I've run into recently, and Angel's like, I haven't run into any of those lately. Oh wait, orderly with a hacksaw. <laughs> oh wait. <sighs> Maybe we should find this mother superior and so angel actually brings up the idea of a lorophage demon because as he's been reading giles's journals he's like yeah this is something that goes into hibernation and they sleep for decades and they feed when the stars of the old ones who birthed them align aka now super convenient for the plot that this thing that just happened to suck on giles brain went into hibernation and came back just now when it would be important right and that Angel just happened to read that journal entry right now, but we're not going to dwell on that. To get their exposition done, they go to Giles's friend, Alistair. He's like, yeah, Lorophage Demon could potentially cause insanity, but not usually because they'll just suck you dry until you're dead. So, you know, unless someone happens to be controlling them, 
Maybe a mother superior. I don't know. Maybe a vampire with some hypnosis powers. Who knows? But he's like, be careful. And Faith is like, yeah, stop talking. And Angel confronts Faith about this. He's like, why are you so upset? And Faith mentions that a few of the people who have gone crazy have been a war vet, a rape survivor, and an abused kid. And Faith, who has some young trauma herself, this triggers her a little bit. Yeah, and so she mentions that she's found out through her Slayer contacts that Mother Superior hangs out in a deconsecrated church turned nightclub in Highgate. And that all makes sense for somebody calling themselves Mother Superior. That's her DJ name. Is it? It's now my DJ name. So Faith and Angel go to check it out, as one does. I throw together a mean Spotify playlist. But I'm not paying premium to go to listen to those ads. (laughs) All right. Mother Superior in the house. Hizzy? In the hizzy? Okay. I'm hip. We're all done now. We're all done with you being hip. Okay. And Faith and Angel find this church and take the only way in. Which is smashing out the stained glass window. Pricey. Yeah, it's round, too. It would be pretty. Oh, God. They're wasting so much money on property damage. They really do. At least inspect the area. And they get it, and they start punching their way to Mother Superior. And simultaneously, because we're going to have kind of a double header of stories. There's this guy who's been asking around in the pubs for Faith. He goes, do you know her? He's kind of old, frumpy, mostly bald. And while he's asking Nadira, who's at another bar with the Slayers, Okay, stop bringing Nadira to bars. It literally ends with a fight every time. I know. You'd think that they would have planned ahead, but it, they don't. Yeah, go, I don't know, to a poetry slam. That's your next best option? It's London, you it seems boring. From bars to poetry slams? There's nothing else in between? No. Okay. Those are your two <laughs> options, kids, from now on. You can go to a bar or to a poetry slam. And this frumpy old man reveals that he's Faith's father. Faith's father. Alliterative. Dun, dun, dun. As Angel kicks in a door, his second favorite way to enter a room after th- smashing through a window. Evidently. He discovers the identity of Mother Superior. And it's Drusilla. <gasps> <gasps> she calls him father to remind us that everybody in this has daddy issues, not just Faith. Um, And I like that Drusilla is wearing her 1860s London clothes. I find that charming. Yeah, why not? She has a lovely pinky ring. And we see that right behind Drusilla's shoulder, not only is she surrounded by all these people who are clearly fawning over her, but she's with the Lorophage demon who she's dressed up in a hoodie. I like the (laughs) hoodie aspect. So do I. I mean, it's better than his flasher garb. Yeah, exactly. So he's wearing a hoodie. And Drusilla is speaking very lucidly to Angel, and he has a terrible realization. Drusilla, she's sane. Dun, dun, dun. Now, I'm going to praise a lot about this arc, but there's also going to be a big sticking point that I have trouble getting over. And I mentioned this many episodes ago. I think it was called Brooding and Whining was the episode. Well, now I'm going to whine now. You were brooding then, now you're whining? (laughs) Yeah. The last time we saw Drusilla when she was over on the Spike side of things, what was the big twist? She was sane. This goes back to, did anyone actually read the IDW stuff? No. I'm not convinced they did. We did. Yeah, we did. We called it canon. But we've already done this story, and as we go on, we're going to see a lot of the same beats, or at least one major beat. But it just, I don't know. I always like seeing Drusilla. She's a great character. But the fact that the last time we saw the character, it was literally the same premise. 
I guess she's not sleeping with a crazy guy named John this time. So that's a positive. They're not in Las Vegas. Again, a positive. They're in London. And maybe if you haven't read the IDW stuff, that's fine, but... This arc takes more of its time than the IDW stuff did. Oh yeah, by far. Which is nice. Yeah, this is more of a chapter in the story versus the IDW stuff when Drusilla was there right at the end was more of a rush to the end. Yeah. So in that sense, I like it. But we'll move on. I mean... It's just something to note. It's a good arc. It's just... We just did this a couple years ago. Yeah. But chapter two continues and Angel flashes back to when he turned Drusilla and we see Drusilla with her two sisters. He's whispering to Darla and we get some new imagery and some familiar imagery. We get to see Angel actually killing her family and some of the nuns that were protecting her. And now for the third time, we get to see the scene of Angelus and Darla having sex in front of her while she's going snake in the woodshed, snake in the woodshed. This metaphor is really thin. She didn't say that last bit. And while we have this flashback reminding us all who Drusilla is, we cut back to the present, and Angel asks, how is this possible? And we find out that it's all due to the Lorophage demon, shockingly. Good guy. Yeah. Seems on the up and up. That Drusilla has always wanted a pet, and so she found this Lorophage demon and decided to keep that as her pet. And it was a revelation because she found that she could use the Lorophage demon to suck out her trauma but not to totally suck her dry of her life. Or her death. Or her death, rather. And that she could control this demon so that her pain was taken away and she didn't care. The confusion, the fear, the torment, it was all gone. All the crazy that Angel put in her head is gone. Yeah, exactly. And now she can fully live her fullest undead life. Not as this crazy lady, but as... As someone who helps the helpless, like her father, Angel. He's like, nah, I haven't done that in a bit. And so... I've mostly been trying to ruin the world, and and before that I was getting people out of this hell dimension. Yeah. But Drew's really focused on Angel's past, which is fine. So Drew's basically like, look, we're basically the same person now because I'm helping the helpless, and you help the helpless, and I, with the help of my Lorophage demon, can take all of the pain out of these people's lives who come to me, and everybody's happy. And Angel's like, I have had enough of this. And as Giles' diary told us earlier, the Lorophage demon is stronger than a vampire and just throws Angel into a wall, as you do. As you do. Meanwhile, all of Drusilla's human admirers start telling their stories about how they were traumatized by being in a car accident with their family being killed or being a drug addict. And One of them is really dark. It's like I was in a car accident and my baby's head ended up in my lap. Yeah. Ooh, that is... Dark. And so the Lorophage demon took away the pain. And Drusilla goes to Angel and offers him the opportunity to get his pain away and get out of this self-pity cycle that he's, you know, perpetually in. And he refuses. And just as he's about to throw down, Faith is like, we need to go. There is an army of shiny, happy people here, plus a big demon, plus Drusilla, and we don't even know what we're up against. Yeah. And Drusilla's like... So long, farewell, Evita say. I'll see you later. So close, but so far. And right as they leave, Drew yells out, We're part of each other, you and I. We always will be. Was it the turning into a vampire thing, or the sex? Or the fact that he made her crazy. Or that, yeah. Who knows? So many things. They have a complex relationship. Could have really been any of these things. But we also get a reminder that Drew can see into the future, 
So tuck that away in your back pocket. It'll come back. I guess that's not a magic thing. I guess not. She can just see in the future. She's fine. And Faith and Angel return to their London flat where Faith finds her father waiting for her. And Faith is not happy to see him. We find out that he is an alcoholic and that basically he's just used Faith. An absentee dad, you know. And Faith lays out her backstory. She's like, I've always looked for father figures in the wrong place. You should have seen this mayor guy I hooked up with. He was a big snake. Quite literally. And he's like, no, I've been sober. I came here to make amends. And Faith's like, get out of here. And Angel's like, I think you should make up with him. And then Faith tackles one of my bigger pet peeves of this season and continued seasons. I don't just like Angel as a character. I like Angel's supporting cast. That was one of the better things after the fall that they brought everyone in. Mm -hmm. And Angel's like, you should talk to your dad. And Faith's like, how many calls from Connor have you screened? I've seen you avoid this kid and like everything from your past. Like, I agree. Get those people back. Angel isn't the most interesting part of his thing. Everyone around him makes him interesting. Yeah, but I don't really like Connor, so it's fine. <sighs> I like Faith a lot better. But get the rest of them. Okay. Get Gun. Get Illyria. I'm kind of out of people now because the rest of them are dead. Get the Grusalug. Yeah, I like him. He's clever. And Angel just says, well, yeah... I'm a vampire stuck in my self-pity cycle. I can't change. Your father can. And Faith chases him down. She just runs after him yelling, Dad. So while Faith is having a reunion with her father, Angel goes to have a reunion with his daughter in her old home where he killed her family and turned her into a vampire. Weird home. Yeah, weird memories. And Drusilla's in there. She's like, I used to be afraid of this place. But you know what? Now it's fine. I might buy it, spruce it up a bit. Maybe try and flip it on the market. Get into real estate. I think that's my next venture. Yeah. And Angel's like, look, I'm so sorry for everything. Not that that really can say a lot. But Drew's like, why? I was this stupid little girl who believed my second sight was a curse. You set me free. Which is an odd way of looking at it, just so we're clear. Meanwhile, we see the glowing red eyes of her Lorophage demon in the background, so... And he comes up behind Angel and sticks his fingers in his coconut. Angel's, by the way. Into Angel's head. Not yeah. into his own head. And Angel returns the favor of having been thrown into a wall and throws this guy into a wall. And he says, this isn't freedom, it's a lobotomy. Which is kind of true. But I think it worked better than lobotomies actually worked. Yeah, I imagine. It's kind of the purpose of the lobotomy, but it didn't actually ever work that way. According to the bell jar. And the Lorophage demon goes up behind Angel again and pales him with one hand. He's going to suck out his trauma with the other. And is like, no, he needs to ask. Yeah. Well, he clearly did it a second ago. Make up your mind, woman. Yeah, he clearly didn't want that. Yeah, you but tried like to sneak up on him and then you're like, no, actually, I want his consent. I like that she's petting the Lorophage demon's head like he is her little pet. Like a hummingbird. You know, the yeah. way you pet a hummingbird? Yeah. A humming pet? Yeah. It's kind of cute in a way. And we find what I think is the weirdest part of all of this. Drusilla rips Angel's shirt open. That's normal. That happens. But we find that Angel has pierced one of his nipples. And I don't feel good about this. It's a choice. It's a poor choice. And I was so distracted by it that I didn't even really understand what the words were saying next to it, which was explaining why this is happening. But still. It's basically a magnet to combine pieces of a soul supposedly there are nine pieces of a soul that can all come together to make a person huh. and angels put this magnet on his nipple hmm. he has a nipple magnet mm -hmm. 
What other magical property involves a character who has split their soul into multiple pieces so that they don't die permanently? Also in London, England? Not in London. Oh, is it not? No, Hogwarts is in Scotland. Is it? Yes. Oh. How did you never put that together? Why are they all British? Where do you think Scotland is? Where Scotland? do you think England is? <laughs> and Angel gets a little self-conscious. He's like, you don't like my nipple ring? Is it, is it a little gaudy? Yes, it's hideous. But Drusilla actually uses her newly honed second sight to be like, I know why you're doing this. It's so you can pull Giles' soul back together. I can see mannerisms of him in you. Which I meant to go back and look, but I actually forgot to, to see if there was actually anything little that would be Nothing that we Giles see on the like. page, but you can, I mean, I can believe it. I can believe it as well. I just want, I just didn't just know if there was something images. little. I don't think, maybe there is, I don't think there is. Like a turn of phrase. But she's like, Angel, you can't have that many voices in your head. You already have you and Angelus. Three voices is too many. Two is fine. Three is too many. So Angel staggers home, very perforated at this point. He has a lot of little holes in him. Yeah, going five from his back through his sternum, another five in his head. Plus, I guess, another one in his nipple. And we cut back to Faith and her father and their home. He's like, hey, I know you're a slayer. And I love that my little girl can kick some ass. And also stream the Red Sox in London. Okay, so Faith's dad, they try to emphasize his Bostonian nature by having him use all of the New England terminology that they can. He's really into the Red Sox. Uh, we talk about Pat's season tickets finally coming through after 12 friggin' years. Well, he says that a few times, that phrase that you enjoy. Yeah. He says, I want to have a friggin' party. And hey, let's be upfront. This is a negative New England stereotype. We don't say friggin'. We say f***ing. No, we don't. I say it. Yep. But we already established that your speech <laughs> patterns are not the normal New England speech patterns. It just wears. It's kind of like how... When they were trying to overemphasize Spike's speech pattern and they were trying to stick every Britishism into everything he was saying as much as they could. It feels like that. It's like, we got it. We got that she's from New England. We actually remembered that. We didn't need 17 references to New England to be like, oh yes, you're from New England. Faith's already brought up the fact that she has spent a lot of time around nuns because we didn't need to bring up the Irish Catholic stereotype anymore. Oh, we're going to get into that more. Oh, we'll get more into that too. So... We've gotten a lot of New England references here. I don't feel the need to have every stereotype thrown into one conversation. But Faith gets a text that something's happening with Adira and she runs away. Only for her father to get a call on his old-timey cell phone. I like that he has an old-timey cell phone. Please. You want an old-timey cell phone. Also, her father's name is Pat. Pat Lehane. And we see that he's on the phone with someone who's like, I made you a promise, didn't I? Things are looking up. Don't you worry about nothing. You're going to get exactly what you asked for. And he picks up what looks like a magical glowing orb. And I'll just throw this out here. This is a misdirect, but it's a weird misdirect. Yeah, I didn't even realize that it was a misdirect until most of the main action had taken place. The twist here is that, uh-oh, he's actually a crap dad. But it turns out the real twist is that he's a crap dad dad but not in a stealing kind of way yeah for a different reason yeah i didn't even unnecessary twist put I it guess. together yeah different kind of crappy yeah and we continue in chapter three with faith finding nadira 
and the two of them immediately get into a fight, and Faith goes, this is getting old. Oh, Faith. Oh, Faith. This isn't going anywhere. The worst part is, this whole Najira subplot has added literally nothing except for introducing us to the concept of Mother Superior. But if it never came back, it'd be fine, too. It will. It will. And we find out that Nadir's freaking out because it doesn't appear to her that Faith has done anything towards finding Pearl and Nash, the two okay. demons who killed all of her Slayer squad. So she's just really upset about it. And Faith is like, look, you got to get over this. Get over your survivor's guilt. And Nadir's like, I thought you were my friend. And she storms off. And then Faith is like, who keeps letting her go to bars? No, she doesn't actually say that, but she should. It's a good question. Faith is basically like, hey, Nadira, I know something that could help you. I know some way where you can take all of this pain away. And Nadira's like, I don't want to let this pain go. I want to get my revenge. I'm fueled by it. Well, right now you apparently are fueled by alcohol. Nadira? Yeah. And rage, I guess. Nadira? That's all I think of every time we say her name. Have you ever had Madeira? No. Is it port? I don't know. I think it is. Nadira storms off and Faith returns home to find Angel's weird nipple ring. Gross. And her father smashing bottles of alcohol. He's like, I just wanted a drink, but I couldn't have it near me. So flush it. It's less destructive. And now no one has to get glass out of the carpet. What does he actually say? I wanted to. Wicked bad. Yeah. Okay, we do say that one. Yeah. Stand by the friggin' one, though. That doesn't happen. That's just the... It's kind of a Boston thing, though. But still... Are you kidding? I don't need to hear it all the time. Bostonians take my cursing and bring it to a new level. Depends on who it is, I guess. You bring it... The stereotype ones do. To a high enough level, it's fine. Yeah, that's annoying that he smashes them instead of just pouring out the alcohol or, you know, walking away from the alcohol. It doesn't really matter. But in this moment of self-pity, he admits that someone's after him. Handsome Jimmy. So he is part of the Irish mob. It is Boston. Yeah. So Pat has intelligently run to England, closer to Ireland, just because that's what we like to do, I guess. And he's like, look, he's never going to let me go. I want to turn my life around. So I came to you so you could kill old Jimmy Mulligan. Well, he doesn't actually come out and say it. What he says is... Yeah, he does. He says, I want you to kill him. Oh, he does actually come out and say it. I guess I just skipped over that bit. Must put my thumb over it. It's on the bottom of the page. But what he does say is he says that... Jimmy Mulligan will never let him go. He didn't come for face money. And then he says, I want you to kill him. It was better in my mind where it was just like, I didn't come for your money. And then it was like, dot, 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 fill in the blanks. <laughs> I liked my version better, actually. And he's like, look, I know you did time in the pen. Do we yeah. say that? No. No okay. one does. Just checking. Um, He does drop all of his G's from ING. I don't know anybody that does that. I'm with you, buddy. You and me, Pat. Dropping G's together. Dropping. Dropping them. Dropping them hard. Nope, you're all done. You Boom. Put, put the R's back in now. No. Where did they go? Save the R's. They went to New England. Save the R's. And he's like, look, I know you've killed someone before, and this isn't some deputy mayor. Nope. What does he say? He says, handsome Jimmy, he's a killer. He's filled in more holes around Boston than the friggin' Big Dig. Yep. <laughs> yep. So this is this dramatic thing that's happening, and I just can't get over it. The excessive Bostonianness of this writing. <laughs> and it's not even that I think that anything about the plot line or whatever. I just, I just can't handle it all. It's okay. We got the point. 
He doesn't have to say Boston in every sentence, but he does. Hi, my name is Pat and I'm from Boston. Now let me say my sentence. Wicked pisser. I'm from Boston. I saw somebody with a t-shirt saying that today. Did you? Yeah. Hang on, I can get into character if you want me to go full New England. Nope, that's fine. You don't need to. You want me to go Jersey? No, that's okay too. You want me to go Philly? They just lose letters in the middle of words. Nope. You're okay. Alright. What was that? Which one was that? I guess that's closer to Philly because I dropped some letters you in the middle. all of the letters. But Faith's like, I'm not going to kill a guy for you. It's like, ah, oh, if you don't kill him, you're just hanging me out to dry. I'm definitely going to be killed. Also, they're here. Yeah, they're very quick to get there. And so Handsome Jimmy's like, this is it with his little scrap of paper. Maybe he wrote down MapQuest directions from back in the day. Also, okay, so continuing with our terrible stereotypes of Boston. Uh. So Handsome Jimmy, the first thing he says is, get out of town. Is that little Faithy Lahane? Last time I saw you, you was this high. Almost lost in your dad's Drew Bledsoe jersey. Do you remember Drewby? I do. Is that what Do you really called? remember Drewby? Yeah. Oh, that's what my mom always called him, Drewby. I don't, never heard that one before. My mom makes up nicknames for her favorite football players. And then he asks if you can find his lucky charms while he continues being weirdly Irish. Also, there's a guy in a Bruins jersey. <laughs> uh, I do like the lucky charms situation. And Angel just calls him out. He's like, you're a bad Irish stereotype. Yes. That's verbatim. Yes. And... Angel gives him 200000 How much money did Giles have as a librarian? I don't know. Maybe he had, like, maybe Giles was rich. Like, his parents were rich and he's a trust fund baby. Baby, you can trust me. I was thinking if you could get away without saying it. Nope. The answer is you couldn't. Did that last episode, too. Same one? Yes. Better one line now? Yes. We have, I'm an Aaron Burr now. Is that good? You survived. But at what cost? At being the villain of your history books. Oh my gosh. Okay. You're as bad as Handsome Jimmy. <laughs> so he's like, hey, you know, I was going to do a terrible Irish accent. I'm just not going to. Yeah, gonna. yeah. Don't, don't try <laughs> I that. chose not to. It's like, why would I give up on this now that I know that he has a rich daughter? I'm going to suck him dry and Angel turns into a vampire. And they go, vampire, shoot it in the head. Which I feel like is very specific. And you know what? Not a terrible idea. And next year, we establish that shooting vampires in the head will kill them. Yeah, and Angel goes, that's zombies. But so, then, they very intelligently go, zombies, vampires, blow up the head, problem solved. I'm with the Irish mob on this one. Except when they say that, they shoot him in the chest. Which is confusing. But, you know, if they would have actually done what they said, it would have worked better for killing off Angel, and then we would have had no more books. So. Thank God they missed the nipple ring. And Faith brings a sword to a gunfight and cuts off jimmy's arm and what does jimmy say oh jesus was that was that you i did it phonetically was, that's what it says it does actually say that j-a-y-s-i-s i was really wondering if that was your boondock saints accent my reference for the irish i guess <laughs> and the irish mob incidentally they're all tied together for you so angel puts him in a tourniquet and says call 999 which that's... is the british 911 and tell them anything but the truth get on out of here I haven't worn a shirt in a while, and I probably need to put one on. Yeah. Also, this is gross, but he goes, what I'd really like to do with this arm is drink from it like a hose. Gross. And one of these Irish Bostonians has a clover tattooed on his bicep. I like to think it's for the Celtics. There's too many leaves there. But he definitely has a Celtic cross tattooed on his back, too. 
Oh, I didn't even see that one. It's My a God. giant green Celtic cross. These are walking stereotypes. They really are. Which, unfortunately, it's making this side of things kind of lose the somewhat... Serious situation of, like, Faith confronting her father and dealing with all of this. Yeah, and, like, not that there aren't comedic moments in this, but it's there's the idea of nitty-gritty, we're dealing with life and we're trying to put everything back together again. And all of a sudden, in walk literally the biggest Irish Catholic Bostonian stereotypes that we can ask for. And... Pat Lehane walks around the corner, super excited. He has glee on his face. He's like, I heard screaming. They're dead, right? And Faith's like, you need to leave. He's like, eh, you know what you are. Don't act like you're better than this. Nope. What does he say? Living in England and you think you're the princess friggin' die. Princess Diana. I'm aware of who it is. Sometimes you give me that look when I you I just kind of acknowledged it. I was like, yeah, he said that. That's a thing. Poor princess die. Did I ever tell you that story? The first time we were in, in Paris... The taxi cab driver was telling us things in very quick French, and the one thing I understood was when we drove under a bridge, and he goes, this is where Princess Di died. And I turned to my parents so excitedly, and I was like, this is where Princess Di died, because I was so excited that I understood something, and then I realized what it was. And it's like, I know what you really are, and Faith cracks him across the jaw. She's like, I am what you made me, you son of a bitch. And she starts to choke him to death. On the upside, we've stopped, like, asterixing out curses, which is nice. You know we were doing that for a while? Oh, yeah. And Faith is choking him out to death, and Angel just kind of talks her down with a simple Faith. And Faith, tears streaming, runs out. Angel kicks Pat to the door. He's like, you don't come back here again, or i show you who I really am. And we never see him again. Bye, well, Pat! Um, Angel just threatened him, so I feel like nobody would come back after that. And Angel tries to track down Faith. He's like, she went to go see the Slayers, and he finds the Slayers, and they're fighting some zompires. It's like, she's not here. Where could she go? We cut to the only other place we've talked about in this arc, and Faith opens the door to Mother Superior's rockin' house party. And Drew is nicely dressed in white. She looks like she's going to a wedding. And she says, how I've looked forward to your visit. How charming is that? What's interesting here is we don't actually talk about... Faith and Drew have never met. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure they're both aware of each other, but this is Ark is the first time they've ever actually interacted. Yeah. And Faith, broken, goes to Drusilla. She's like, I want you to do it. I want you to take away the pain. And she says she, that she's so tired of feeling like this. And she doesn't want to hurt anyone else because of her own pain and to just take it all away. And right as the lorophage, we call him a lorophage. Right as the lorophage demon sticks its fingers into Faith's head, Angel walks in the door. And Angel, who has yet to put on a shirt. Yeah, again, we can see the nipple ring again. I, he he's just, he even has on a shirt. He just has to button it up. I don't know. He doesn't. That's the shirt that Drew ripped. He just has a jacket on. He has a Why jacket and no shirt. Jacket. Why doesn't he button that up then? Because we want to look at his nipple ring. I don't want to look at the nipple ring. And Angel, who has a sword in hand, kicks the demon in the head instead. Use the sword! Yeah, it's a weird moment. But... It does draw all of the fingers out of Faith's head. That's good. Except that Angel's the damage has been late. done. All of Faith's pain is gone. She feels great. She remembers everything that happened, but it doesn't really matter. And Angel immediately gets real crappy about it. He's like, do you remember Professor Worth? He had Worth. Use that joke already. <laughs> yes. I'm <laughs> glad you forgot. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, you reacted well to it the last time, too. I probably tried to block it. <laughs> it's like... 
Do you remember him? You killed him in cold blood. How do you feel about that? Five by five? Bates like, yeah, it's fine, I guess. Which is one of my least favorite expressions that gets used so much in this book. It's so irritating. Five by five? Yes. She used it all the time. I know. I never liked it. Okay. And then it got referenced on Gilmore Girls, and I slightly liked it a little bit more, and then I didn't like it anymore. Angel gives a rousing speech. She's like, you have to accept your pain and deal with your pain and use your pain to make you stronger. I would never expect this from you. I would have expected it from the girl who came to me in that awesome two-parter in season one who's like, kill me, Angel, kill me. I tortured Wesley, so now you have to kill me. And Wes is like, it's fine, I guess. She tortured me for a bit. <laughs> Wes. Hey, he's Wes. dead now. It's fine. He's holding, a, he's holding a knife in this picture. Yeah, he was in the alley, too. He picked up a kitchen knife and he was going to run it and kill her, and then Faith collapsed and Angel was hugging her, and then he dropped the knife in the alley. It's... Right, I remember all that, but just when you're like, yeah, he's like, basically it's fine. He's holding a <laughs> knife, so clearly, anyway, it's unrelated. And Angel's like, I'd expect it from that sad girl hugging me in an alley, not from you. And I will take this moment just because I mentioned like them hugging. I like their relationship with this book. There's never a will they, won't they. There's not any undercurrent of a romantic vibe. Yeah. They, they're partners. And they are. And there's also, um, I like that their relationship is built not on Buffy. I mean, that's how they obviously met, but we've gone through this entire arc. They don't say the B word a lot. No, but I don't want that. Do you know what I mean? Like, I want them to have their own world built, just like how Angel, the TV show, had to build its own world apart from Buffy. Yeah, and Angel goes to Drusilla and's like, could he give the trauma back? He could if he wanted to, couldn't he? And again, credit to the art. Drusilla just gives him the look. She's just like, you shut up, Angel. My favorite part is how you just gave me that look. Like, I'm giving like, you like the Drusilla look. Like, like the rest of that our is listeners enough can of see that. it as well. <laughs> that is enough of that kind of talk, Angel. But it's just me and Podcast Dog. Also, fun fact, I like that Drew is in uh, point shoes for ballet this entire time. I don't know why, but, but I really enjoy it. Well, she really has a very dance-like fighting style. Like She she really does, but I, I just I enjoy that. She's aerobatic. She's all over the place, and the two of them start fighting. Acrobatic? What did I say? Aerobatic? Eh. Not a word. <laughs> Friggin'. <laughs> well, whatever. And the Lorophage demon steps in and knocks Angel aside, and Angel's asking for Faith's help. He's like, I can't beat them by myself. I need your help. And... Drusilla's like, we're going to fix him with or without his consent. It's like neutering a dog. And just as Angel is about to be lobotomized by the Lorophage demon, Faith steps in and smacks Drusilla away. And, and Drusilla immediately goes to Vamp Face, which we haven't seen her in this entire time. Yeah. She's like, after all I did for you. And Faith just goes, you used me. Like my dad. Like everyone. Almost everyone. And she hands Angel his sword. And the fight is on. Faith is fighting with a table leg, by the way. Just so we're clear. Maybe a chair leg. Yeah, it works. And Angel figures out that, or really takes a stab in the dark. I shouldn't say he figures it out. He takes a stab. Yeah. And while fighting the Lorophage demon, he turns his claws on himself and stabs the Lorophage demon and just goes, Drusilla, I'm so sorry. Just so we're clear, Angel stabs the Lorophage demon with the Lorophage's own fingers. Like... If that wasn't clear. Yeah. Probably wasn't. No. Okay. That's a lot of he's. <laughs> he. <laughs> he did lots of things. And we see 
the trauma returning to everyone in the room, including Drusilla. And she's freaking out. She's like, Angel, I can't go through this again. Not again. Not again. And all of the crazy goes back into Drusilla. And she goes back to the character we know and love from before. And she just says that it's so lovely. Oh, Angel, I knew you'd save me. And Angel has ruined Drusilla for a second time. Was there another recent story where Drusilla was ruined for a second time at the end of an arc? It didn't have anything to do with Spike. Oh, good. So it's different. Just a different vampire with the soul. Uh-huh. Not the same idea. Cool. Right. Thanks, Cat. Good audio. <laughs> and Angel runs over to Faith, who... She's like, don't touch me. He's like, no, but you lost a part of yourself. She's like, yeah, I get it. Stop trying to make it better. Shut up for like five seconds. My God. Yeah, and it's very clear that Faith is grateful, but miserable at the same yeah, time. And just, yeah. But everybody else there does not really believe Angel's best intentions, and immediately they decide to... Bum rush him? Yes. And Angel and Faith are fighting off humans and vampires alike, and Drusilla runs out. He's like, I can still help you. And she goes, help me, poor thing. This is the interesting bit. She goes, there's not enough help for you. Now I'm myself again. I skipped ahead in the book and oh, the awful pictures. It's coming, you see, for both of us. Dun, dun, dun. How foreshadowing. I actually love all of Drew's crazy talk because it's just sane enough that you can put it together. I love it so much. I love Crazy Drew. She's absolutely my favorite. So next season, Drusilla is going to come back and she's going to play a major part with Angel. Yay! And I was like, I wonder if this was planned ahead for next season. So I sent the writer of the next season of Buffy, Christos Gage, a tweet who also wrote this arc. And I was like, hey, were you planning for next year? He goes, maybe? If it was after issue 20 or so, we'd have the season 10 summit by that. If not, I was faking it. And then he asked, he's like, what issue was it? Nine. He goes, ah, totally faking it. Unless it was a reference to the Drusilla mini that never happened. Which we've talked about before, where Juliet Lando was going to come back and write it. And you could actually put in pre-orders for issue one. And for reasons I don't know, it never happened. But and I just I, think that's interesting. I liked when she wrote Drew last time. Yeah. She clearly knew Drew very well. But whether or not this was the writer faking it or it was being planned ahead, it actually falls in very well with next season but there we go that's the behind the scenes tweeting you heard at the beginning of the episode and drusilla runs out never to be seen from again until next season which is sad i wish we got more drew we're gonna get plenty more drew next I love year drew. angel and faith escape all of the now sad people yeah and faith's like so try to put giles soul back together with your weird nipple ring huh He's like, no, I'm not. That's exactly what I'm doing. And she's like, so I'm not that dumb. Faith just goes, you know what? I'm on board. Let's ride this train together, brother. We're going to bring Giles back. It's like, cool. Glad you're on board. And she's like, you know what? Giles we can do, but some people like Drusilla, where she's crazy and evil, you just got to ride off. He's like, no, I don't think you do. It ends on a really nice, I shouldn't say nice. It ends on a very bittersweet note that I like. Faith goes, that chick's a mess. And Angel says, yeah, she is. But before she met me, she was beautiful. And we see this image of Drusilla in the past, just dressed in her bonnet. And she has a basket with a... With a kitty. Bow on it. Yeah, and she's just petting a happy kitty. And it's very bittersweet. It is. I love Drew. Yeah. 
And it was interesting seeing more of the sane side of her, unlike the last time we saw her, because she was still a little crazy because Wolfram and Hart was drugging her. Right. And in this one... It was more straight lucid. Yeah. Up until the end. I liked this explanation for her lucidity a little more than I liked the other one. Other than she went to hell and she was the sanest person in hell? I mean, I did like that too. I've liked both of these reasons, actually. And as we do with most of these, we end with a one-shot. Script again by Christos Gage and art by Chris Samney. And this one is called... Women of a Certain Age. Normally, I'm kind of meh on the one-shots because I don't love how not tied to things they are. This one, I quite enjoyed, though. Angel and Faith are returning home from an unknown engagement. Of clearly killing things. They both have swords. I mean, it's London. Don't you usually walk around with a sword in London? Yeah, that's right. And they're about to open up the door, and Angel just stops her and goes, Someone's inside. So they crash in the door, as one does. Just open a door. Are you incapable of doorknobs? This is the third thing you crash through, at least. I might have missed one or two. In this arc alone. Use a door. Or at least a handle. I guess you used the door this time, but just open it. And we see two women sitting on the couch, drinking wine, painting their nails. And one of them says, you must be Rupert's little friends. And the other one just goes, be a love and top me off, will you? There's a good girl. They're very elegant. They're very lovely. And who we meet are Giles's great aunts, Lavinia and Sophie. I find them absolutely charming. Everything I, about them. A lot of the new characters introduced for comics don't stick well and don't fit. These two are great. And apparently these characters, if memory serves, I didn't double check this. Let's just say I'm right. These were two characters that were going to be introduced in a potential Ripper spinoff TV show or TV movie. I would believe that. Yeah, and they just never came about. And so we find out that they were also part of the will, that they says all occupants of the country home may remain, and they are occupants of the country home, and thus they may remain. And Faith thought that that was just referring to the horses. Yeah, whatever. And we find out that these great aunts have the same magical affinity. Aptitude. Yeah, as Giles. But instead of using it for the greater good or for the greater evil, as some people have chosen to do in this universe. They just used it to stay young and hot. And I love them for it. <laughs> They're kind of great. I, I love everything about this. The fact that they are like, no, we're not going to think about anything but ourselves, and that's okay. And they're really upset at, like, the end of magic. Like, gray hair has started to, like, show on them. They and can't just... terrible. They've put on a little bit of weight because they just can't, like, eat and drink endlessly. And Angel, being Angel, confronts them. He's like, look, I don't know if you know, but I've accidentally killed Giles. And they're like, yeah, it's fine. He lived and died by magic. It's the risk you take. If you want to feel guilty about something, feel guilty about your hair. Like the amount of hair gel that he's using? Is that what they're referring I think, to? I think so. Okay. His hair is extra spiky. Faith is like, so you're here for like shopping or whatever? Which, good guess, Faith. With those two, I would fully believe that. Mm-hmm. But no, no. We find out that there's a slightly more worrisome reason that they're there. And a door crashes in again. This one's not from Angel and Faith, though. This is from a giant, I don't know what demon. Look, he looks like lizardy thing. He's Killer Croc, but he can breathe fire. Okay, sounds good. And Angel hits this demon with the door. He's like, "You forgot to knock." You know what, Angel? So did you. Yeah. 
And we find out that Lavinia's soul and life are forfeit to this demon. And so Angel and Faith immediately go to kill them. Because they made a deal to keep them young and hot with this demon. Right. And they take his head off. Actually, Faith stabs him through the tongue. And the jaw. Yeah. And so they're like, seriously, you like had zero fighting training. Like none of this is helpful. And one of the sisters just goes, darling, if you're young, beautiful, and rich, what more power do you need? And they're basically like, now that magic has ended, all of these demons are coming to collect their contract. So you're going to have to kill all of them. And they're like, wait, you bet your soul and your life to this demon for a cellulite cream? And they're like, no, we're not that dumb. We bet that we wouldn't, uh, that we would pay up when the first gray hair arrived on our heads. But as we were going to just continually make that not happen, it was never a problem until the magic ended. Which is your fault. So save us. And about 20 demons show up at their doorstep. And I love Faith's line here. She's like, the Giles hate you as much as I do. And the other sister just goes, oh, rather more, I should think. <laughs> They're just like, yeah, Giles was not our fan. And we just get a line of demons that are coming through. There's a demon that needs to be killed with salt, a giant spider, a snake that eats Angel, and this one demon who, conservatively, let's say he's 500 pounds, just a big dude, yellow skin, kind of pointy ears. He's like, look, I'm not here to fight. I'm going to die. I'm not here for their soul. I'm just here for one kiss. And Angel steps aside. He's like, going to allow it. <laughs> so I like the sister's commentary on this. One sister... Looks at one of the demons and goes, that's basically a slug. You just have to pour salt on it. And Faith and Angel are just in the slime of this demon. And they're like, go get to go get us some from the kitchen. She goes, I have to do everything. And then the other sister is complaining to another demon because she says, I can't believe you had the nerve to come here. That potion was supposed to give me six pack abs. Does this look like a six pack to you? And I just find that absolutely charming that they are just very unconcerned about the dire circumstances around them but this large demon goes up to lavinia and she's like oh how horrible and this other demon steps to the door and angel just goes hang on how about a ceasefire i want to say this he's like hey you and me both brother and probably my favorite line of this entire arc Ooh, inventive use of tongue bravo and then he probably dies like a second later Ew, so gross they successfully vanquish all the demons. Angel goes to put the last of the unblemished doors up. And Faith goes, do you really want to do that? That's the last spare door. Stop kicking in doors, Angel. Yeah, it's really Angel's fault here. And Lavinia and Sophie give a little bit of a history of Giles, which I am going to give a lot of credit for, for tying together a lot of different threads. Something way back one of our first episodes that we didn't really talk about, mostly because it was used as a framing device, was in Tales of the Vampire. Everything was set up with a group of young watchers who was talking to a vampire who was telling back all of these stories. And we found out at the very end that the main girl of these younger watchers was really Giles' grandmother who wanted to go talk to the baker boy from Giles' Bakery. This little girl's name was Edna. And we revisit Edna in the scene. And the other thing that connects to it is in Buffy Season 1, Episode 5, Never Kill a Boy on the First Date, Giles recounts his personal history to Buffy, saying that when he was 10 years old, his father told him that he was destined to be a watcher, and that when he was young, he wanted to be a fighter pilot. It was part of his bloodline. Giles' father was a watcher, and his mother before him. And all of this ties in to this couple of pages, and as a bit of a stickler for continuity... You are? 
Yeah, I know. Imagine that. This all fits. And, well, except for maybe one line that kind of bugs me. And we see Lavinia and Sophie are watching over young Giles, who is playing with a plane, you know, with his desire to be a fighter pilot. Yeah. Or a grocer, but. Whatever. Harder to play, I guess. Yeah, I feel like the grocer line was more like, that was the realistic. That was the gag one. Well, no, I think that what he really wanted to be was a fighter pilot, but the grocer was probably more of a realistic profession. Because, yeah, 10-year-olds are realistic. Yeah. And a young Rupert is running around the house, and Lavinia and Sophie are like, ugh, he's so destructive, they should call him Ripper. Yeah. Or, you know, more British, they said, should have named the little blighter Ripper. I know, that bugs you. It doesn't bother me that much. It just feels weird. He'd be like, oh yeah, when I was 10 years old, my aunts called me Ripper. That's my new cool name! Yeah, it's a little forced, but it's okay. I'm, I'm cool with it. And we see Edna. Hey, Edna. Haven't seen you in a bit. Not since Tales of the Vampire. And Edna's in a debate with her sisters, who have stayed nice and young. Edna is looking well, but of her actual age. And the two sisters are trying to convince Giles' father and Edna to give them the Shard of Stranos. That looks right? Yeah, whatever. It doesn't really matter. And they're like, that's a straight now. We don't trust you with something like the Shard of Stranos, because the Shard is too important. Also, why do you even want it? Because mostly you guys just want beautifying potions. And as they're speaking, a demon escapes the shard. A light demon. And as he's about to rain down all hell, Giles just picks up a gem and zaps him into solid form for Edna to quickly decapitate him. It works well. He's like, I have a body. And then Edna takes a giant, a giant axe. And then he does the Marty Feldman thing. He's like, ain't got nobody. Who is that? That was a young Frankenstein thing. Oh, okay. And immediately Edna and Giles' father are like, look, this kid's got to go to watcher school. And the aunts are like, <laughs> no. School. He's so young and he's so innocent and nobody wants that. And little Giles is like, I want my plane. And his dad's like, you won't need that any longer, son. Now that we know you have magical skills, it's off to watcher school with you. That's what you get for saving us all screwed. Hope a vampire doesn't snap your neck. Yeah, that'd be really sad. So the aunts are like, we felt bad for him. So basically we helped him over the years. Information, magical items, raw power. And they've just kind of been there to help him out. And now that he's not there... They kind of miss him. Yeah. And they, they know that... Little blighter. Angel wants to bring him back. And they give him the shard so that it might help. Yep, like, this has his childhood essence in it. Super convenient that that has his childhood essence. What a weirdly specific thing. And it, like, goes into... Angel's, Angel's nipple. nipple. Yeah, it's real gross. His nipple magnet. And so they bring the aunts up to their rooms, well, and... Where they're taking over Angel and Faith's room. And they have two very different conversations. Lavinia's with Angel. She's, like, whispering in his ear. She's like, you have to bring him back no matter what. Meanwhile, Sophie is talking to Faith, and she's like, you have to stop Angel no matter what. And we see the two of them, after Angel and Faith leave, talking to Giles, his soul, or whatever. And they're like, oh, you'd be so mad at us, but we need to make sure we keep them on the right path. They're clearly working together. And I read this as, we need to keep Angel and Faith questioning each other in order to move forward and not be drinking the same type of Kool-Aid. Yeah. Clearly the aunts are up to something, and clearly they are clever enough to stay on top of everything. Giles' resurrection. Yeah, so I trust them. They're also funny. 
and Angel and Faith reunite and they hear a knocking at the door and they're like, who knocks? We only kick things in. It's our spare door though, so I'm glad. <laughs> yeah, and Angel has kind of a weird line that I think is just forced to give an awkward moment. It's like, listen, pal, I've had a long day and I don't have the patience to mess around with you. If you're still there when I open the store, I'm going to snap your neck like a toothpick. And, okay, number one, if you actually did have a history of snapping people's necks like a toothpick, I feel like you wouldn't joke about it. Number yeah. two, not very angelly. Yeah, I don't ever see him saying a line that aggressive, but what are you going to do? And number three, we open the door, and who is it but Willow? So, worst person you could have said that to. And Willow's response is, uh-huh. Kind of your wheelhouse, isn't it? Snarky. True. But true. He does like snapping a neck. And Willow has with her the two halves of the scythe. That she took from Buffy. So there you go. That's all I have to say about that. Yeah. So also like our last Drusilla arc, Willow shows up. <laughs> Let's just bring it all back to that. And we leave on a cliffhanger. Why is Willow there? Well, we know why she's there. She wants to bring back magic. But what does Angel have to do with it? How is Willow going to fix the scythe? Will we ever find out the answers? Glue. Super glue? Is it going to be like in The Fellowship of the Ring where we just put the pieces back together? Yes. And they're like, these have been separated for thousands of years. And everybody's like, so you just... Put them back together, yeah? Everybody's like, yes, pretty much. It was better in the book when he fought with the broken sword. I thought that would have been a cooler visual. You don't see that? No, it worked better in the book, too. Yeah. So the books work better. Anywho, I guess that'll do it for this week. I think we harped on a lot of the... I don't know. We're probably too harsh on this book. I actually like this arc. I know. I actually did, too. I don't know if that came through. It was just fun. It's just funny There were a couple little odd bits to it, but overall, very positive. Yeah, and as the season goes on... I'm a much bigger fan of the angel side of things for this season. I really like all of the main parts of this. It was legitimately just the littlest bits that I'm like, hmm, that's minorly irritating. We yeah. can talk about that. <laughs> well, it's funnier. But really, I mean, I really like this creative team. And they're, as we're recording this, they're still doing stuff together. And they're really strong. I like what they do. Yeah, this is a really strong story. Um, and I really like the one shot. It was all it was all a very good thing. Getting Drew back, and I like the idea of having Faith's father in the mix. I liked the idea of Faith trying to deal with her own personal demons in some creative and not great ways. Because Faith has kind of turned into this fairly wise character rather quickly, and Faith was always the hothead. Yeah. And so I liked her doing something kind of hot-headed. And it's just weird that Angel has a nipple ring. And that's just weird. Yep, really there were two small weird things that we harped on a lot. Three. The accents, the nipple ring, and the doors. Okay, four. I was also going to say the IDW connection. Okay. So anybody who's reading this can easily get over all of those issues. So enjoy this one. It's a good one. Yeah. We'll be back next week to talk about one of the most controversial arcs of Buffy ever. And her pregnancy. Well, that's why it's controversial. Where can you find us? Over on EditorsNoteComics.com, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter... If you want to get the show a week early, you head over to patreon.com slash editorsnotecomics. One dollar a month will give you the show a week early every single week, along with my other show, which you may or may not listen to a whole day early. And rate, review, subscribe on iTunes, especially the review one. We don't have enough of those yet. Say hi to us. Or that. We have an email. What do you think about this arc? Are we wrong for harping on the New England accent thing? Let us know. Side note, we're both from New England. Do you have a nipple ring? Side note, you don't actually have to tell us that. Don't send pictures. Yeah, please don't. I never thought of that as a problem until right now. Yeah. But we'll be back next week. 
to talk about pregnancies. Bye.